just before we start the show, I want to take an opportunity to invite you to join me for the Podfluence Weekly Newsletter, which is available both on LinkedIn and through the official newsletter channel. Now, if you are on LinkedIn and it's easier for you to follow there, then please just click on the link in the show notes, which will take you straight to Podfluence on LinkedIn, where you can subscribe for free and get weekly updates on Podfluence articles as well as episodes. If you would like to subscribe to the full newsletter where you'll get additional materials and, as my little incentive to you, my pre-podcast guest checklist for you to use when you're appearing on podcast shows so that you can be fully prepared every single time, then please click the link to the official newsletter in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to the Speaking Up Influence podcast with virtual business speaker, presentation skills and influence coach, John Ball. Remember to like and subscribe. The Speaking of Influence podcast is uploaded and distributed using Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout makes it really easy to get your podcast started and out to a wide audience with lots of tips and useful tools to help you on your way. If you're interested, check the link in the show notes and start your podcast today. Welcome to the Speaking of Influence podcast, Dan. I'm really happy today to have with me, I think this is the first time that I'm actually having a sales trainer as my guest on the show. Not only is he a sales trainer, he's an award-winning sales trainer, training business to business and uh, doing very well as a, a coach, as a someone who can guide you in being able to improve your sales in business and a number of other things as well. He's a professional speaker. He's also a podcaster. Please welcome to the show, Jamie Martin. Well, thank you for the uh, warm introduction, John. Uh, delighted to be on your show. And uh, yeah, just to give some value to the audience listening to what we discussed today, really. Fantastic. Well, like I said, this is the first time I think I've spoken to a sales trainer as a guest, but I think it's such an important area. And I know some, uh, actually, you know, there was one lady, Stephanie Scheller, who I spoke to, and uh, she was very, very interesting as well. So you, you might be my second sales trainer. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but just to ask you then, what is it you do and how did you end up doing it? Yeah, well, hopefully uh, we're not a dying breed or anything like that. <laughs> um, and funny enough, you know, uh, speaking and selling actually goes, you know, quite hand in hand, really. So I'm sure there'll be some useful um, correspondence we're going to talk about today to help the sure. listeners. Uh, but for myself personally, um, I think where probably uh, my career started was I was I was quite academically based, a bit of an introvert at, at school, actually. And that... that that will come out during the, the this episode. Um, but I did uh, a psychology degree uh, three years at the University of Gloucestershire in the UK. And then I did a fourth year business psychology postgraduate certificate. And during that time, I really had a passion for uh, the subject, obviously learning individual differences in business psychology, learning about occupational psychology, onboarding psychometrics. Um, and naturally during that time, um, I, I was always fascinated about uh, building relationships and, you know, I think I was, you know, always had good communication uh, skills, apart from I do speak quickly. So maybe you can help me with that, John, <laughs> sometimes, but it's just my passion and my energy. And, uh, you know, people who get to know me, they just know I'm very authentic. Uh, so what I did was I started my career in sales. I did two years of telemarketing with a, a company uh, that actually uh, was a telemarketing agency, various other parts of it, but I was on the Vodafone campaign. So if you can sell mobile phones, you can basically sell anything. <laughs> uh, it's predominantly lead generation. And it was very tough. 
uh, but I didn't achieve the targets. And I think I had a really good grounding in, in lead generation and telemarketing. And for anyone selling, that's a really good career uh, starting point to have. Yeah. Then I did um, about six months with our, our sort of local media company. So it was, you know, uh, magazines, newspapers, uh, digital online um, content. And I really enjoyed my time there, learning a lot about business, learning a lot about the media industry. And um, I moved on because I found a career in recruitment. And I think that's really where I, I excelled in selling and uh, I was fortunate because I got the job with uh, Reed Specialist Recruitment, so one of the UK leading and, and a global company uh, recruitment Hello. agencies. Brilliant. You know, it's, it's a fantastic company, had a really good career there. And so six years later within the company, I started on various cold desks within the business and I was I was very well trained, but you just have to have a really strong growth mindset. Uh, have some grit, be a bit tenacious, uh, dedicated, motivated, you know, to to learn the trade and, and achieve your, you know, KPIs, your key performance indicators. And anyone in a sales role will know selling is hard. Recruitment slightly known as one of the hardest sales roles. Mm-hmm. Um, so I suppose that that was my background. And during the time, you know, I, we, we probably haven't got all day to hear all about my career there. But I'll sum it up with a couple of achievements. Uh, so within just under six years, I was promoted five times. Uh, I was an award winner within my first year. I worked on the finance desk, the sales desk. Uh, I, I was a record breaker for uh, most revenue in, in the sales division in one month. I placed the COO and sales director for the same business. I did an international recruitment role placement in Germany, which was renowned in the, in the business. And in my time there, apart from working with like 50, uh, 250 companies and all different size businesses and levels of personnel, um, I made over 60 different placements across 20 different industry sectors and made around about a quarter of a million pound for the business. Um, and I set up my own sales team and sales branch. And yeah, it, it was a really, really fruitious career. I, mm-hmm. I, I gained success, uh, you know, worked my way up within the business. Probably would have stayed, uh, you know, until, you know, uh, later on at uh, maybe director level because I know how um, dedicated and passionate I am. Um, but I, I, I decided to, to move on from the business, uh, which was uh, uh, April... 2019 now and I, I had a bit of a career break uh, I decided you know I wanted to focus on you know what I wanted to do next and focus on other areas of my life so after a career break I did a, a coaching diploma and, and I also did an NLP uh, diploma course uh, at my time at Reed which was great mm. and um, a four-year recruitment academy course a management academy course so very well trained and overall had you know from my uh, different types of roles had about 10 years business to business selling experience mm. So what I did, I decided to set up my own business, uh, Correct Careers Coaching. And we were just having a bit of a laugh about uh, the name at the beginning of this uh, before we started recording. But um, that, hence the name is because I'm thinking, you know, like um, Stephen uh, Covey with the end in mind, um, focus on, you know, where should I, you know, what do you want to do in the end and work your way back? What's your goal? So I wanted to build a brand and Correct Careers Coaching has three arms to it. You've got the sales training and sales strategy, which is what I predominantly focus on because there is a real big gap in the market. The careers coaching side of it, because I was um, a a middle management, a millennial as well. And I feel, you know, in your career, having a mentor or or a career coach could really be beneficial. And 
Then the other side would be employee engagement and retention strategies. And the overall aim and uh, vision of my business is to look at employee retention. Um, I was looking at employee turnover for quite a long time in the recruitment world, and I decided, you know, how can we retain staff? So first of all, developing their their training skills, their sales skills, you know, to, especially in the sales role, to help them perform better um, and, and achieve success and hopefully stay longer with the business and other engagement strategies as well. So yeah, that's, that leads me up to today in the last year of my business. Uh, I've had a very, you know, fantastic start, a lot of support uh, with networking. Uh, as you mentioned, I, I just recently won the, the best SME sales training consultancy in the Southwest UK. So delighted with that. Uh, already worked with about 28 different industry sectors, uh, sole traders to um, corporate businesses and, you know, B2B and, uh, you know, a bit of B2C as well. There is a real gap in the market, not just for, learning the full sales cycle which is what i teach so anything from lead generation to conversion and obviously everyone loves negotiation and talking about money <laughs> um but also I, I i'm a modern sales trainer because i teach social media marketing social selling and that is a real big gap right now especially due to the pandemic uh, i mostly work with uh, professional services business services hr and and areas uh, such as this these sectors some of them haven't embraced social media and we really need to stay visible right now. And the other element I do is sales strategies. So um, not only helping the team before, but perform better and increase your gross sales, but looking at how the uh, the business leaders and the overall company can focus on the, making their sales process and strategy more efficient. So we'll be looking at, you know, whether it's their resources, their, their marketing material, their ICT, their social media and their people and make sure everyone is in the right place and doing the right sort of uh, act activity and touch points with uh, their potential clients and customers to making sure that overall, you know, the business is profitable. So yeah, that that's basically my background and the reasons for doing what I do. And I absolutely enjoy it and love working with new people, love building new relationships. So some of the people listening might, might wonder why you stepped out of what seems like a very high trajectory career to start your own business. Yeah, so I mean, I, I had a lot of success in recruitment and, and I would always look back and remember the times that built my character and experience had to help me do what I do today. I think, uh, you know, from a background, I was always, you know, fancy myself as a bit of an entrepreneur um, and, you know, being in a corporate business, you know, it, it did have its challenging times as well, uh, you know, but overall I had, I had loads of success and, you know, we all have those war wounds in the sales role. Um, but I think, you know, it was just the right time for me to, to explore other areas and, you know, focus on other areas of my life. And, you know, I, I worked a lot. That was due to my choice. But, you know, so I can now, you know, spend more time, you know, in, in my personal life with my family and friends and you know doing what I do. And, you know, being, um, as we talked about at the start, being your own business owner, you wear many different hats and you probably work all the time anyway. You're probably working more now. But you can also be very flexible. So, no, yeah, that, that's probably why. And I, I think I made the right decision uh, now anyway. Um, but sometimes I think you do have to take a bit of a leap of faith. And and, it's, and especially in, in sales, don't get me wrong, there's been a, a huge learning curve running your own business. And constantly every day we're being, you know, very, we're changing things. We need to be very agile and adaptable, uh, especially now, you know, post the pandemic or during the pandemic. But um, yeah, that, that, that's why I'm here today. And uh, yeah, to, to, to really, I think I had a very successful career. So I'd like to, and I managed a team and all I wanted really was, you know, for, for my team and the people I train now to achieve the successes and rewards that I did myself personally. Yeah. For, for myself, coming from a very customer service orientated background, making the transition to having my own business was very hard. How, how did you find it? I mean, you had definitely had more of a professional background, uh, more of a sort of 
maybe more traditional company background than someone like myself. But did, how was that transition for you? Were there some parts you found difficult? Did you have to work on your your identity in order to be able to do that? Yeah, um, you know, there's various different you know answers to that. I think looking back at the start, uh, I'm, I'm glad I I, made, I started when I did. Uh, you know, it. I think the figures are probably around, and this changes all the time. But 20% of businesses fail in their first year, and it is a real shame. And, and don't get me wrong, because cash flow uh, and clients are you know absolutely a necessity in a business. And a lot of people spend you know a lot of time working on the business, which you should do because you need to make it professional. I was fortunate I had a few months off as a career break and started really kind of planning what I wanted out of the business before I sort of launched it. Um, and then, you know, I, I suppose it helped that I, I was uh, naturally, you know, um, my, my background is sales. So I would go out and I would sell. And, you know, there, there's, there's a few elements I still need to work on. Of course there is. But I was going out there. I was networking a lot. I was building relationships. I have a mentor. Uh, you know, I do, I, I, I'm always uh, doing continued personal uh, learning myself so going on webinars reading books listening to podcasts including your show john <laughs> um, you know and you know just really you know think about current times think about what's going on in the marketplace yeah. so i would say you do need to uh, form an identity um and you know there are there are resources out there to help you do that you know in, in our local area there, there's there's plenty of resources you know to, to, to give staff help to um you know and, and put you on courses and stuff but really i just think you you probably should do your your due diligence and your research so the way way to do it is identify where the gaps are in the market so i was looking in, in the selling environment and I, I identified that you know social media and sales strategy would uh, um compromise uh, sorry accommodate uh, working with sales training uh, i'm trying to figure the right word then a co compliment uh, so this is basically you know why i incorporate incorporated the full kind of cycle including those areas as well and and so when I go pitch into new business and upselling with my current clients I can explain to them that there's other elements to my business but you can't kind of you know show everything in your shop window at the start so you some you know there will be you know mixed reviews on this some people say just focus on a niche uh, if I was honest recruitment probably would be my niche because of the background I've had in recruitment but I really wanted to actually push myself to go and explore other areas um, and that was tough you know because as I mentioned, I've worked with 28 different industry sectors today. I, I do like to analyze and work out my metrics, where my needs are coming from, what I'm good at. And that's where your personality comes into it. But I think it was good for me to explore other areas because it pushes you out of your comfort zone. It may be a slightly longer journey, you know, to where you want to get to. Um, but at the end of the day, I can then uh, demonstrate to, you know, different clients I work with. I am agile um, and, and, I, and I can and I can cross over to sectors if I need to. So, so really, I think to anyone out there, I would say, you know, first of all, Definitely do your research, um, you know, read the material, look at, you know, the, the resources available, identify the gaps in the market. And, you know, if, if you are generally passionate about something, pick something you're passionate about. I'm sure that's what you've done, John, as well. Then you certainly any hurdles you come across in that time, you will overcome them. And it's just form breaking the goals down, breaking it down into habits, uh, having a good morning routine. We, we talked about um <laughs> How our Rod's Miracle Morning is fantastic. I follow that. And, you know, just keep going. You know, any, and I'm sure every business uh, owner has some challenges. Richard Branson, for example, you know, fifth, fifth riches, I think, in the UK, you know, if that's changed since today. Uh, but, you know, he had some setbacks early on in his career. So, yeah, just got to keep going. You do. And, and I often will say to my coaching clients that your, your reasons for doing something have to be bigger than your reasons not to. Because if you don't have that why, if you don't, if you haven't worked on that, 
then when things do get challenging, which can happen quite fast in a business, then you're not going to have to stick with it because it's like thinking, well, why am I really doing this? It's, the, it's not really worth the hassle. And people will tend to, to drop out or just say it's not worth it and, and go and do something else, go back into the working world or or try and move on from, as some of my friends do, move on from one thing to the next to the next without really getting any particular traction. Just keep you know, like shiny object syndrome. Let's try this business. Let's try that business. <laughs> and, uh, and not really getting any results with it. And I love so many people are good at starting stuff, but not so many people are actually good at seeing things through. And so, you know, it does take a level of drive and commitment to get to where you were. So to achieve results like yours show that you have a, a very high level of personal drive. You have your why, you work on that and you keep building on it as well, which is great. It's a, a great example of what, what can be achieved with determination and, and sticking with it. Yeah, I liked what you said there, John. Um, if the listeners uh, haven't uh, seen this YouTube video, but Simon Sinek, um, you know, he, he really talks about start with the why or you know, focus on the why and uh, the sort of the neuroscience behind it. And I think you're right. You know, I, I wasn't in, in a closed group a little while ago and they said, you know, you, you, you work a lot, you're here, there and everywhere. You know, what, what's the reasons for that? And it did actually take me some time to to naturally think about it and and you know when I did find it it was a kind of a light bulb moment to be honest and for me if I'm going to be able to stand up and sales train uh, businesses and, and, and employees I need to be able to show that it is possible I don't want to just say look this is what you do I need to go and do it in my own business so that you can do it uh, whatever you want to do in, in, in your goals and your business um, and I think that that was my why what, what's your why John for your own business and what you do it's interesting. I mean, I, I got into coaching about uh, say over 15 years ago, really. Uh, but I didn't uh, probably about 15 years ago that I actually started working as a coach. But uh, I'd studied for several years before I actually opened up to clients. And the, the wife are doing it well, you know, I, as I said, I was in customer service and I got introduced to coaching. And I'd never come across it before. I had no, I'd always had an interest in psychology and things like that, but hadn't really studied it and uh, didn't really think that professional psychology or psychiatry would be something that I wanted to work in um, for, for various reasons that I'm not going to go into here. But, um, <laughs> but when, I got, when I found coaching that was so solution-focused, and I think I'm always kind of a solution-focused guy. I like looking at solutions. And, and I very much like working with people. I've always been one of those people who, who others would come to and talk about stuff that was going on in their lives, almost like an agony, agony aunt or uncle. But... but <laughs> Not, not really, because there'd be that thing of, well, I'm not, not going to tell people what to do, but I would often find myself saying, what are you going to do about that? Is like, don't just come and moan to me about how terrible your life is. What are you actually going to do about it? And, and it was really at that point I realized, yeah, that's kind of coaching people. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and the more I found out about coaching, the, the more it enthralled me, really. And I realized, yeah, this is definitely something that I want to be involved with. And then as I got deeper into it, like yourself, I studied neurolinguistic programming and, and a number of other things. And so I have a, a great many tools and that's, they keep building over the years, to be honest, um, that I can use in coaching situations. But um, I developed more of a passion for presenting and training as well. So whilst I do a lot of professional coaching, the, it's the training and the presenting side of things that I love the most. And that's ended up tying in with all sorts of things like I have a, a real thing of I, I I discovered a lot about hidden influence and not 
long before I ever read Robert Cialdini's book on influence and, and the yeah. psychology of persuasion, I, I'd, I discovered some stuff that people are showing where like social engineering or hidden tools of influence in marketing that um, I, I would guess as well, rhetorical devices being included with that as well. These things that are very often used in corporate world and political world that people don't realize are um, emotional triggers psychologically affecting them and influencing in ways that they don't understand that part of me also wants to get that information to being more general knowledge for people because so many people are using those kinds of tools as a as a way to um so I've got a bit of background noise here. So many people are using those kinds of tools as a way to ne- uh, to manipulate people to their own ends rather than for other people's greater good. So part of my mission is empowering people to be able to see where there's outside influence being used upon them and then being able to consciously say, well, is that for my benefit or is it just someone trying to rip me off? And to be honest, to see more and more, uh, maybe see you maybe see it on YouTube and places like this, where people are exposing certain um, certain people who use these sales formulas and all this hype to try and get their sales. And what they're offering isn't actually all that valuable, or it isn't even their stuff. And uh, and they're just they're just there to make money. They're not there for people's benefit. And that more and more people are becoming aware of, of of those particular situations now than than ever before. And so that's part of me. I see myself as being part of someone who's able to help create that level of awareness. And so that that's a big part of my mission to me. Yeah, and I liked what you said there you know um, I try and always come up with my own content and try not to look at others too much because you know there is uh, you know frameworks in place and and there is some renowned frameworks uh, you know some really good sort of um, acronyms out there for to to help people remember Um, but I think you know being a a sales trainer or you know a trainer or a coach I really like that you know to work with someone personally and you know now it's kind of over video conferencing due to pandemic but I really like to be in a workshop so on-site with businesses and I like to really get to know them as individuals individuals and what's like their pain points and, and how I can help solve their problems. Um, I, I do actually have a, an e-learning course come out, so I'm certainly not going to say, you know, uh, e-learning courses, you know, generic because it's not. Um, but actually the, the one that, that I've got coming out is is a niche for HR. So, so the, the HR professional I collaborated with, we actually tailored it for that industry sector to give them a personal approach uh, to selling better. But, you know, and, you know, you can do courses online or you can like watch, uh, you know, certain content. But I think because from I and you would probably you know understand this as well John you know from NLP or from my psychology background we all know that they're everyone's different uh, so whether it's your learning style whether you prefer you know reflective uh, learning or active learning or listening um, also know your communication style so you might be a visual learner uh, you might be very auditory or key aesthetic so I'm fully aware of that and I need to make sure that each time I'm working with someone firstly uh, analyze and understand them or even ask them what's the best way you like to learn and then you can tailor the training around that funny enough I just read an article uh, on LinkedIn I've got a few article uh, sort of series on there but it was actually the disadvantages of not using an external sales trainer and if anyone's interested uh, go to my uh, LinkedIn as uh, so, so Jamie Martin uh, I'm, I'm on their BSc uh, honours um, but it's just some really fascinating interesting information you know really yeah. like well we can put a link direct to the article in the oh, great. as well that'd be great yeah 
Good. Um, but so, no, so you're right. So, you know, it's, it's really important too, I think. Uh, I, so the, the, the quote I will use now more than ever is personalities will thrive. And I've been using that quite a lot because I suppose we're, we're recording this podcast, uh, it, you know, mid pandemic for some countries, but, you know, really sort of post the worst of the pandemic at the moment. Hopefully. So, yeah, hopefully. Yeah. You know, fingers crossed. Um, so businesses have had a, the business world has had a lot of changes during that time. And, you know, unfortunately, whether there's some businesses that haven't, um, you know, survived through it or there have been redundancies, uh, you know, a lot of companies will now be re-strategizing and looking at the areas of the business. And I personally believe without cash flow or without clients, which comes from selling and prospecting, you then, then you, you know, how can you continue to operate a business? Mm-hmm. So these are the areas that companies need to look at now. And and hopefully we'll give some advice, you know, for, for how businesses listening can do that. Yeah, well, great. Uh, they, they are important skills. And I just want to uh, hone in on one of the things you said about about niching, because I, I know that for, for speakers, for coaches and for many businesses, uh, there is a reluctance often to niche um, who they target as their as their ideal customers, because you know, many of the products or services think, well, it could help, it could help everybody. But then without doing that, you try and help everybody, you often end up helping nobody. And so th- those decisions to, to niche aren't uh, something that's really optional for most businesses. Unless you have a very specific service, then I-, I think you have to focus on niching and targeting specific groups of people because it doesn't exclude everyone else. It just means you're going to have a message that's actually getting through to the people who are most likely to want to solve their problem and pay you to help them solve it. Uh, what? Tell me a bit about your your own experience of niching in your company. Yeah, so, so and it is what I train on, and you, you kind of hit the nail on the head there, John. You know, really, I would say, look at, first, first of all, do focus on an ICP, so your ideal customer profile. Now, that, that can be a niche, um, but it doesn't have to just necessarily be a certain demographic or a certain industry sector. Mm-hmm. What I mean by ICP is, you know, the, the, the customer or client who is likely to buy your service, um, as you kind of just mentioned there. So, you know, what problem are you solving for them? And it will depend on sort of the, if you're a product or service selling industry or maybe the size of business you operate or, you know, what service or products you actually do deliver. But if you, if you like you said, you can't speak to everyone. So where marketing and social media marketing comes in, you have to kind of be consistent um, and you have to kind of be personalized uh, in your messaging because, you know, as we're probably aware, it's a 90% emotional buy. Um, and that means, you know, if we are communicating uh, on a digital sales space, so social media, our websites, you know, even such things as newsletters and, and webinars, which are, you know, bigger more than ever now, you know, what sort of messaging are we give to our target market? Uh, so our ideal customer profile, you can't speak to everyone in the room, it's just impossible, because the 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 um, the story tell, which is a really good sales technique, as you would you would be aware of, um, or the emotional um, message wouldn't resonate with everyone. So you really do have to zone in on sort of your tribe, your tribe of uh, followers or, or, or clients who are likely to buy from you. So that would be the sort of the first um, technique I would give. There's something called um, science-based selling, and it's actually something that's that's been more apparent than ever, where they're using um, analytics and social psychology uh, and neuropsychology um, and neuroscience to basically identify what it is your customer actually wants. So it's focusing on the customer buy rather than your actually, you know, your process of selling it to someone. So, for example, when I was uh, doing a workshop um 
a few months ago. And during that time in that workshop, I mentioned someone called Carol. Carol is one of my favorite clients. Now, I really needed to get to know Carol. So not only just, you know, what type of background, education she had, but what her personality is like, what her traits are like, what she's good at, what she's not good at. Because she, she turned out to be a really good client of mine. Uh, and, and I say Carol as, as the person for the business. Um, so when I said, talk to people, I say, so, you know, who, who's your customers at this moment? And, you know, find customers, you know, maybe similar to them. It could be their customers' customers. It could be their competitors or it could be someone else within the supply chain. But more and more importantly now, rather than looking at quantity, we should look at quality. And when there's um, qu the qualification stages of the actual um, sales process, you know, I would say it's more about the business, you know, uh, or the or the, uh, the leaders of the business, the decision makers. Focus on who they are, how they communicate. We, we, there's a few personality um, uh, hints I can give, you know, throughout this, this talk. Um, but, you know, focus on them as an individual, because the more personalized you make, it when you are having that discovery call or you are doing that maybe that 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 introductory email you know no one really likes to be sold to we can kind of immediately tell if it's a cold pitch so the more personal you can make it with someone the more likely they are to firstly engage with you and social media primarily linkedin being the you know, number one business to business platform is absolutely fantastic in utilizing it so you can really kind of research someone on there and find out about you know groups they follow, their interests, whether they won any awards or, or uh, you know, more information about them. So when you actually pick up the phone uh, and talk to them, you can say, oh, you know, you can actually give them some real life information, some real case studies about that person and their company. And then immediately you've already strengthened uh, the rapport building stage of, of a sales uh, process. So so those would be sort of my uh, tips really for, you know, focusing on, on an area. And you can, you know, talking through this information with you, John, you can really kind of see the benefits of it. You know, whether you use a, a CRM system or, you know, even if you, you know, we're just going to use a spreadsheet and you can identify, you know, who the customers are going to buy from you. So the demographics, what, you know, the personality traits are of the of the decision makers are. And if you could really work that out, you could really cut down your, you know, the amount of output in sales activity. You know, it's not about going around knocking on so many doors anymore, you know, in, in a world uh, which is forever changing and everyone's busy uh, and you're probably hard to get hold of people on the phone sometimes now as well. What other digital selling uh, techniques can you use? But also it's just being about being more efficient in your strategy and process to effectively sell better yeah something something I, I, i'd be interested to get your thoughts on i, I have a a sense and i and i'm not 100 sure i might i just think i might be right is that selling is moving moving away from the sort of flashy aspirational um perfect life kind of um shiny slick sales presentations kind of thing to more of a personalized relationship connected kind of selling that's that's my sense about what's happening and i have heard other people saying this as well and yet i still see a lot of that um perhaps more familiar side of selling where people are they you know i'm, I'm standing here in front of a private jet which may or may not be mine or here i am with, <laughs> with a garage garage full of sports cars and telling you telling you about how great i am and how my product is kind of thing that people are, I, I feel like people are responding to that less and less. I know I am, um, but I can't obviously speak for the whole the whole world. But what, what's your take on that? Yeah, so uh, I, I completely agree that it, it, sh it should be a, a personal um, uh, touch point now. So 
And I and I would what what the reasons why I would say that is because no like and trust no like and trust is a renowned term um, you know within the selling environment, but it, it really does speak volumes, and I don't think it will ever change. So you know. If someone knows you or, or they like you or they trust you, they're more than likely um, going to work with you. And it is, you know, it's, it's harder probably to, um, I wouldn't say trust businesses uh, nowadays. That's, that's not what I'm saying. I'm thinking everyone's sort of had maybe one sort of another bad experience, you know. And in recruitment, for example, sometimes uh, someone's worked, you know, hired someone and it hasn't worked out. So everyone, you know, in that, in, in that environment, for example, you know, was already very, very dubious, you know, to me. I had to really kind of give them evidence you know give case studies and evidence of how I can find the right person for the job and and the process I went through to do that so for example um there was another article series I've written about uh, millennial buy-in so the reason why I researched millennials is because um if you look at LinkedIn for example so not only does it have uh, 660 million companies on there which is absolutely amazing but 87 million millennials are on there so and a lot of these millennials are entrepreneurs they're going to be setting up their own businesses so companies not only need to you know, first of all, understand the buy-in behavior of millennials, but to be able to connect and engage with them, ideally probably using LinkedIn. And in the research, when I did a survey through this um, article series I was writing, 100% of millennials said that they would go and read reviews before buying. But also that that means that they would review your company. So whether that's your recommendations on your personal profile, whether that's testimonials um, or case studies on your website. And that would really be a decision maker uh, as part of the buying process uh, before actually purchasing. So when you're talking about, you know, um, building relationships and building a more personal relationship, I would certainly agree that it is going to be instead of like sort of like, you know, the quantitative approach, really focus on, on the personal approach, because naturally, you know, it's always really hard to to pick up a, a customer or client in the first place. Once, you, once once that's happened, you can really nurture that relationship and, and they're more likely to, um, you know, to, to stay with you and you can upsell to them, etc. But at the time of building a relationship, you know, because everybody's selling, it's a very competitive world, probably now more than ever because of, you know, the, the challenges we're experiencing. Um, so you really need to focus on a personal approach. Yeah, and- I agree. Yeah, if anything, that's all all important and all great points as well. And um, I want to ask you then, what what has been the the relevance or importance of presenting and public speaking in, to, in relation to your business? Um, so for me, twofold. Um, as a sales trainer, you naturally need to develop your skills and communicational skills so you can really resonate to a different type of um, attendees to your workshops or webinars or even employees or if you was you know speaking in front of a larger audience so for me I have gone and got some you know additional training in speaking because you know it, it's something that I wanted to get better at and it's completely right to say that everyone needs to develop skills in some areas but not only that I feel like you know if, if you are a sales trainer you, you really want to deliver conviction and compelling information um, and, and speaking will be able to help you to do that. Uh, webinars, for example, now and hosting uh, more of a virtual space so using video conferencing such as Zoom or Microsoft Teams. It's, it's, it's a different it's a different world to sell in. Um, and I, uh, I know I think you'd mentioned this would be in the show notes, but I've written a video conference meetings, top tips um, to give 
uh, areas uh, for, for anyone really building business relationships over video conferencing. You know, we're not in front of people at this moment. So it's, it's harder to read body language. Um, and as we know, 93% is nonverbal communication, 55% of that being body language. So how can we utilize video conferencing um, just, just to still um, end with our outcomes, our desired results? And if you was in a, a client pitch meeting, your, your obviously goal would be to convert them. So now we're actually relying on more of the content that we are speaking or also the pitch and tone of our voice uh which is um you know uh, bigger than actually what we speak it's only seven percent um verbal communication and actually also you know using our facial uh, features so you know smiling good eye contact um but think about you know sometimes i do speak with clients and they actually prefer to speak on the phone still uh which is you know not not, not surprising they're more auditory listeners so on the phone some techniques i would say is stand up smile you know because then naturally you're more confident in how you speak with them so really you know it's, it's just it's just a variety of you know using different techniques we have in ourselves what we've learned uh to portray that that um, techniques to others. And I'll just, just leave one last point on this section here, but you know, video messages uh, or, or leaving an auditory message on a LinkedIn private message has actually proved quite useful now. And, you know, sometimes I would, you know, go and do a video and send that as a, as part of a proposal to a client because it really shows that personal touch. And not everyone maybe, you know, understands like when you're getting a text from a friend and they, <laughs> they've made spell of mistakes or they've been quicker in texting it, you know, sometimes written communication can be skewed or not portraying the, the emotional meaning we want it to. So if you can jump on a video uh, and you can record something for your client, or your prospect, uh, or you can send an audio message. Think of how how their learning style could really um, resonate that and actually help you during the um, buy-in journey. It's interesting. I mean, I, I take the sort of uh, Albert Morabian percentages of uh, with a pinch of salt because most people misinterpret that, and that's not really what what the study was about. But but I do think you know we do need to be aware that there to work be able to work well with the different levels of. Uh, different styles of communication because I think it all matters so when you're limited in one particular sense uh, you make up for or aim, should aim to make up for it in others like if if auditory is your only option like for when I first started coaching phone coaching was really the only option um, because you know the internet wasn't really good enough at that time to be able to do it over uh, voice uh, voice protocols on the internet um, so everything was focused on that. And even now I still do like Skype coaching without video uh, with many of my clients. And I don't feel limited by that in any way, but I am aware that I'm perhaps I'm more focused in those particular times rather than on, on my facial or, or postural things on my voice and my tonality. But it does give me an opportunity to turn up a particular modality perhaps in some ways or at least have a bit more focus on it to improve the communication in those senses um so so i think that we are finding now that we are having more and more opportunity to communicate in many different channels and many different styles and it may be that for many people it's better to find the channels that you feel you can communicate in best and that you're most comfortable with and then you will still connect with other people we all have the i think we all have the ability to uh, to in, enjoy audio or video just as much even if we're uh, even if we may feel we're more highly kinesthetic or uh, auditory digital you know like we use all of these modalities but we do have our own preferred styles and i do personally think it's more important that you work in the 
in the styles that you're most comfortable with rather than worry too much about what everyone else is uh, because people will be able to to adapt or to work with whatever you're doing if you are comfortable and working well with what you're doing so so for so me it's that maybe a bit of a different take on uh, on what you're saying there but that that's all all relevant stuff it's all relevant stuff that and good to be considering well, you know, I will I will agree with you on the fact that, first of all, play to your strengths. Um, so this is where personality and psychometric testing comes in. You know, if you really understand yourself, you know, what your likes are, what your dislikes are, uh, your, your personality traits, your characteristics, etc., etc., um, you know, then you can really kind of play to your strengths. And anything that, you know, you need uh, development areas of, you could either outsource that um, or you could get some, you know, additional support with. Um, so I would say definitely play to your strengths. But the, I suppose the other side of that and and there is a there is a, a few personality testing uh tests to help you and then also help develop relationships with others you know for example you could be an introvert but your your customer base could all be extroverts so you do need to be able to um find a way of communicating with your with your target audience um you know and it's got to be different for every every single individual every single business but i think you 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 know if you're not playing to your strengths then that's when that's when you're probably best at selling if we're talking about you know a selling environment here so you, you can't you can't necessarily you know uh, change yourself too much we, we can all adapt uh, but i do think you're right I, th- I think there's an element needed there i think you first of all need to understand who you're selling to and and make sure that you know the, the messaging is clear for them, the communication style is clear for them, um, but then also, you know, what, what you're good at. So uh, if we are talking about personality uh, testing, for example, I know from the Myers-Briggs, have you heard of the Myers-Briggs? I have. I'm I'm pretty familiar with it, and I know it gets a lot of it gets well scrutinised as well. But yeah, um, it's I find all of these things interesting. But, but carry on, my with. Well, for, for Myers-Briggs, I know that I'm an INFJ. So that, that does talk about introversion and uh, judging and, uh, you know, traits of feeling. So that, that's probably what the, the subcategories means. But overall, it means I'm a counsellor. So I really know a bit more about, you know, how I am and, and what my strengths are. And, you know, I'm, it says I'm compassionate and supportive. So that, that naturally helps with, with training and development anyway. Um, but I think, you know, if you, if you understand some of your um, personality traits, then it, it shows that, you know, OK, so, so maybe... <laughs> How do I say this? Like, you know, because sometimes we'll hear the term uh, a good and a bad customer. And now and nowadays, people don't want to work with a bad customer because although there is money there, um, you know, effectively, you're going to you're probably still going to get a headache through the whole experience of it. So, you know, maybe it's that, you know, your your target customers are people a bit more like you. Um, And when I talk about uh, we we mentioned this before, John, the personal approach, it might be that I'm really going to resonate with certain characteristics and traits to individuals like me. And then we're naturally maybe going to build a quick and better rapport during the the prospecting stage um and they'll see you know my my strengths and they'll also understand the strengths because they may have them as well so that really could play to your advantage and um, i suppose some experience i've had with psychometrics is when i was in the recruitment industry um during like the senior level roles or if it's you know second or third stage uh process then you know some clients would opt to use the psychometric test and because they would really understand at that point it would give some indicators i mean psychometric tests really are more of a framework uh 
you know, because there, there's always going to be, you know, a, a set norm throughout, but there is going to be variables as well. Yeah. Um, and but it would give an indication of, you know, what what their strengths are. And I think for maybe a leadership position is, is absolutely vital because depending on what operational side of the business they're taking over or department or the team existing, you know, if, if we were looking to replace, say, or hire a new leadership um, member, then, you know, you've really got to make sure that they are going to jowl with other uh, members within the business. So that would really give a good indication. Um, a couple of um, psychometrics uh, I, w- I will make aware are to people. There's something called Miro. So Miro is actually very good. Um, it's more about working within a business, uh, and it's got um, several different uh, behavioural modes to it. So we're talking driving, energising, analysing, and organising, and that's really understanding, you know, as a leader and within the team. So team differences, but also leader to to employees um you know the motivators the behaviors uh you know how what what your strengths are what they're like and how you can really you know because when you're when you're managing a team you specifically a sales team you go through the four stages of team development so it starts with um you know a uh, forming, um, storm, uh, Norman storm performing, basically. So during those stages, you know, if, if you've got the right team in the right positions and, you know, they're naturally brought into what you do and you really understand what motivates them and what drives them, then you can become a really high performing team. So that that's basically the purpose of that. Uh, disc, disc profiling is something yeah. similar. Um, you know, and it's got uh, there. They've got the dominance, influence, steadfast, and compliance uh, sections, um, and that's also good uh, internally, but also externally, building relationships um, with um, you know uh, customers or clients. And um, there, there, there's there's uh, there's color. There's various color psychometrics. So that's you know also interesting to know about your color. Uh, I, I heard um, that uh, one company um, um, through, through a network I was talking about, you know, actually had a color code on their telephone systems. So you would know who you were and what other people uh, colors they were as well, um, which is slightly interesting. So would you tailor your behavior depending on who you were speaking with? Yeah, you know? I, find, I find these sorts of things interesting and, and I'm generally reluctant to put too much weight on them. Because I think they they can they can offer you useful insights. Yeah. But one of my concerns sometimes, having worked in the personal development industry and in some of these groups where we've given people these tests, is that people people just say that's me, that's who I am, that's what I am, and it's like, well, it, it, it's what you what you appear to be today, or what the test is sort of indicating that you have tendencies towards more towards these things than other things. But you know, certain psychometrics you might take uh, six months or a year later and be not completely different, but quite different, or the, some of the levels may change a bit, but maybe dominant features might still stay the same. So, so I mean, as, as insights into things that might be helpful to you to understand how you best operate and how to work with yourself, I think they can be really, really useful. And it's great to get some insight, because I don't think we've talked about this on my podcast at all before now, um, that uh, my my only maybe uh, ad- advice or concern and this is to don't don't take it as your badge this is who i am this is what i am it's like okay you know we can change we can evolve take it as a okay this is this is some guidance as to holding a mirror up to yourself and saying these are these are things that are appearing for you and uh, you can choose it as your identity or you can say oh okay there's some things i maybe want to work on if i want to be more like this and to take it as as a 
just as a tool, just as a reflection, not as a, an identity in itself, which I, which I worry that some people do too much with those things. But I've used certainly things like DISC, I find, find very interesting. And um, a thing called metaprogram elicitations, which you may have come across in NLP as well, uh, which I, I've worked with several companies and using things like that as a recruitment tool as well because again it gives guidance and gives them some clues as to who's going to stay or who's going to fit into the environment and, and and that's what it is it's clues it's not a complete um that definition of who you are but uh so sometimes people say no this is me and this is what i am and this is everything about me and it's like well not everything yeah i i i think you're definitely right there i mean it's it's a point in time that you've taken the the, the psychometrics and you've, you've got to bear that in mind because people do change situations make people change as well yeah. um uh, there is an interesting statistic i did research um about psychometrics so the gallup um which has a you know as i've done a few actually psychometrics with them recently um but they they said that data data-led companies are 23 percent more likely to acquire customers so i do think um from from maybe like a scientific back uh, you know approach or a psychological background you know having data does help it does provide you know some some evidence or some you know numerical statistics where you know it it can guide you in the right direction and and i think i think that i think it does hold its place but i also think you're right you don't want to just say that you, you don't want to kind of make excuses that because i am this that's the way i'm going to be we, we've also got to be sort of malleable as well um and i think there's something called neuroplasticity which actually Indeed. means that we yes we can actually um we can be we can change uh, uh i will actually leave uh, leave the audience um you know really useful um website if, if they haven't heard of this so it's actually called crystal nose have you heard of crystal nose i haven't no no so well as an action point for you john go and go and download it it's, if you've got chrome it basically aligns with linkedin and what it does, uh, people you're speaking with on LinkedIn, it gives you an indication of their personality traits and characteristics. Obviously, it's done from, from you know, from how their process or, or their data. But it's actually quite useful to know, for example, you know, it can tell you a little bit about their likes um, and dislikes, maybe. And if they are, say, you know, more trusting or whatever, um, because that's really going to help if you are approaching someone, say, utilizing social media like LinkedIn, uh, whether to engage or whether to, you know, um, to sort of, you know, do, do a, a a private message uh, you know how, how to communicate with them so yeah there's a really useful tool actually um and i liked what you said uh you know we're, we're talking about influence here you know uh, cialdini's book you know absolutely fantastic uh, you, you mentioned earlier uh there was a there was a, it's funny because there was um when you know not funny haha but it, it just goes to show you know uh of, of how authority or um people who are experts within their field can actually influence others. Um, so there is a study I remember in psychology, uh, Milgram, 1963. Yeah. And have you heard of that study? Yeah. Yeah, and it just shows how, you know, you, you can kind the of- The electric shocks, right? Yeah, the electric shocks one. I'm not saying anyone should do that at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> but how you can, you know, influence uh, others, you know, in a position uh, or say of authority to, to be able to um, distribute something like that. So. So I think where we're going with uh, personality is, first of all, understand that everyone does have individual differences mm. um, and, and how we can use it to our advantage. And I think we, we, we mentioned at the start. So naturally, um, I was a bit of an introvert growing up and now a sales trainer, you, you need to be a bit more of an ambivert or an extrovert, uh, an ambivert being between the two. I think you're an ambivert, John, is that right? Or um, Yeah, now now I would describe myself as an ambivert. I think uh, there was a time when I, I would have very much said introvert. But yeah, mm. we moved the needle on that one now. So 
you know now being a sales trainer where I you know need to be speaking and presenting and you know in front of the you know audiences or employees you know you, you really got to have that that confidence about you um but but you don't have to be you know the socialist outgoing person ever you can you can just naturally demonstrate your 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 credibility uh, from your authenticity and as long as your your values your belief your conviction uh, is there then you know you, you you can be in a training position or you can be a public speaker so we won't look you won't won't pigeonhole ourselves again on uh, you know if you what type of personality you are but I think now more than ever so uh, there are some famous people we're talking Bill Gates Mark Zuckerberg Mark Zuckerberg, J.K. Rowling, um, you know, uh, um, various others out there who basically were introverts. And, and look at what they've created. They've created, yeah. you know, empires, but, you know, amazing, amazing things. Uh, Steven Spielberg also being another one. And um, I think during this time of t- the pandemic, the reason why I say my quote is personalities will thrive, it's going to have to condition uh, extroverts who are naturally outgoing, sociable people who thrive on and, and their energy is from, you know, being in in, in, in front of, with people in crowds of people. They're going to have to now be a bit more isolated. So so how, how can they adapt their skill set to still excel in what they're good at? Um, but also, likewise, introverts, you know, this this is a time where the, uh, the, the only thing hopefully, you know, from such a, you know, um, a certain situation such as the you know coronavirus you know moving forward if if new technology is created during this time from from people who have the capability to do this or or, or you know or, or medicine or um you know vet or science or whatever it may be that can really help uh the human race and and, and, our, and our lives moving forward so i suppose this time you know the introverts may excel in certain areas uh you know what's your sort of thoughts on that john you know how we can yeah. I think that I think there are unique strengths to both sides, and uh, and definitely if you if you if you find yourself being an extreme extrovert or an extreme introvert, um, it would be a good idea I think to work on moving yourself more to the closer to the center of of somewhere circling around ambivert, because I think we need both. Uh, we need to be able to cope well in times of quiet and and work well by ourselves, and we need to. Uh, even be able to restore ourselves with a bit of quiet time but we also hopefully can still do that in in more social situations as well and and push ourselves out there so i think there's a degree um it may actually be easier for um for people who are more um introvert to push themselves towards extrovert than the other way around to be honest um because i think there's more necessity for it and necessity is a big driver really for people and uh, i think we're in a situation now in the world where there really isn't a choice but to be presenting in some way whether it's on video calls which you know a lot of people saying they're getting sick of it it's like well i think that people will get over it in time because I know, I know for myself, most of my work for the last 10 years has been almost exclusively online with video conferencing and things like that. And, and I never got sick of it. I never thought about it because it, for me, it was just freedom. It was allowing me to work from wherever I wanted to work from. It allowed me to leave the UK. Uh, and something that I've been able to improve on, I hope, over that time as well, and get better at being able to give online presentations, run mm-hmm. webinars, have more energy, uh, focus on improving my own speaking skills, all these things, starting up my own podcast. Um, 
things that have pushed me further towards that sort of where I would now describe myself as as ambivert and quite happy to put myself on the stage in front of people. Uh, in fact, I, I actually look forward to it and I enjoy it now. And um, that was a stage where you know, I could never have imagined myself being there before. There really is no choice now. If you have your own business or if you're an operator and you want to do well in terms of any kind of corporate environment, I think you have to be able to present well. You have to be able to speak and represent yourself well and to be able to communicate effectively, not just in the boardroom and presentations or to the company, but in, in your one-on-one communications, in your evaluations with your, with your staff and wherever else you have to do in terms of communication. These skills are really essential, being able to do them online or in person. Um, so many people that I've worked with haven't, have had no real training in being able to communicate well in their business. And uh, one particular guy I worked with last year had risen to a very high position in, his, in the company he was with at that time and had never been trained on communication, on leadership skills or anything like that. He had started off as a mechanic, risen up, and uh, was just doing his best, muddling through. And so we were able to work on some really specific things that helped him present himself better, communicate more clearly. I think it must have inspired him a lot because he went and started his own business and moved out <laughs> of that completely. Um, but, you know, you see, you can see these kinds of things as being like, if they were important before, they're, they're non-optional now. Yeah, and again, this is also an integral topic um, if we're you know, talking about selling for the sales team. So... It doesn't, you know, whether you're a different personality or not and to your customer, I don't, you know, again, we've talked about it. It, it maybe it helps to know that, but it's, it's about building relationships. And the way to do that really is to, it's, it, communication is the key. So first of all, you know, first of all, you understand who your customers are is an absolute integral part of it. But how are you communicating with them? And, you know, it's, it's successful salespeople out there, you know, they don't have to be the most extroverted, uh, you know, people ever, you know, it's just really about, you know, building those personalized relationships. Um, but I think it's also a bit of a mindset factor as well. So, you know, a lot of the sales individuals will, you know, maybe stop communicating or contacting a prospect after a few attempts. Um, maybe they feel, you know, internally that they, they certainly don't want to be bugging them, which I, I quite understand. But you've also got to look at it from the other side. It, you know, it's, it's not that the customer, first of all, might not have seen your message. Uh, they might just be busy. It's not that they don't want the service. They might just want it right now. Um, so unless someone really says sort of, you know, I'm, I'm fine, I'm not interested, then there is opportunity to touch points with them um you know it, it, via various channels when appropriate um, and that's 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 something i'd really do help the mindset with uh you know sales individuals with and again communication you know can help with that so maybe you might be read it better at writing sort of compelling copy uh, or, or doing social media um marketing uh, whether it is that you are better on the phone or, or video conferencing and i think you know from a business capacity so i was sort of training a lead generator and uh, so he sort of approached me as an external sales trainer uh, you know, you know, great for me and great. He was wanted to develop his own growth mindset and learn, you know, because there wasn't uh, every single process available within the business. And I explained, you know, well, you know, I, I can sort of see the way you communicate over video conferencing. Why don't you, you know, do video conferencing as part of your um, sales conversion? And it's something that the business just, you know, didn't, you know, uh, you know, do at that point in time. So businesses have got to be sort of quite adaptable to say, actually, you know, first of all, understand the individual differences of everyone, what their strengths are, and you know, be be willing. To 
to give them, you know, that opportunity to to do what they do best. Um, and it might be that and now, especially because we are embracing either working from home, uh, you know, um, or, or digital selling now uh, and using video conferencing, as you've mentioned a couple of times, you know, first of all, I'd say, Training and development, sales training uh, is absolutely a must if you haven't, if you've had limited experience or you haven't had that much experience, uh, because there, you know, there are various stages to um, a lead generation discovery call. And if you are not kind of following a, a bit of a framework, um, you know, are, are you building a relationship and are you sort of controlling the call to a certain extent to, to end with a, you know, an outcome, um, or at least, you know, so the, 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 the messages you are trying to communicate is clear to your prospect, because again, prospects are going to be very busy with their time. Um, and if you don't, I think, humans have an eight second attention span which is one second lower than a goldfish i'm sure there's controversy of it on google but it just goes depends what it is you're focusing on but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. very true but you know in realistic you know whether it's five to seven seconds or three to five which i I read out of material somewhere you know our attention span is isn't you know it is short because it says it's a very noisy world especially in a digital world um so you really gotta you know understand how to build relationships quickly and and what sort of sales process to follow in your communication style and the prospects to basically end with desired results. Yeah, I think the attention span stuff is is more relevant where you don't have the relationship. I think where you do, where people are more hooked in, I think it's less of an issue personally. Uh, I don't have science to back that up, but that's my that's my take from experience at least as well. Um, so it may or may not be true. I might have to look into it a bit more. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I like very much liked what you were saying about personality being really important right now. And um, one of the things that I think is it makes that because it makes that big connection. But I know there are people who may roll their eyes at hearing authenticity banded around one more time or relationship marketing. You know, everyone's talking about it. It's like, well, yeah, but they're talking about it for a reason. Um, how how do you think people can best help present their personality online? What are some of the things that that we should be thinking about? First of all, um, there's, there's something I teach in one of my workshops, um, and it's, it's about it's about you and your brand. So, you know, I mean, LinkedIn is is predominantly seen as is business to business and more of a professional uh, business related site. But you've really got to show your personality on there by, you know, not just posting about, uh, you know, uh, the business all the time. You know, you, you, you can you know, talk about other areas, maybe you're involved within the community or within charity work, you know, people really want to get to know you for the person you are. Um, and also, they're going to re- more likely remember uh, you if you if you stand out in certain areas. Um, so definitely, you know, I, I would say, you know, do encourage some social media uh, marketing about some something, you know, personal to you, you can certainly share uh, news related articles or content or write an article, write a top tips article about something you're passionate about. And then you can you can certainly demonstrate in the way you write and what your opinion are your your personality there and um, but also you know uh, you've got your linkedin company page whether you're a business owner or part of a company but your personal profile is is about you certainly you can write you know text on there about what your company does and when we are writing about things it's not just about the features it really is about the benefits and the outcomes and what your customers say about you is you know the, the most important because then it's about it's a third party speaking about you and the service or products you provide rather than you saying it yourself but on, but on your personal profile you know put, put some extracurricular activities uh, or, or documents on there really give a bit of um you know, a, a flavor of personality and also in the in the social media marketing and the copy you write, you know, yeah, authenticity means, you know, you're, you're consistent. Um, so as long as you, you know, you portray a consistent message uh, about your personal personality or about, you know, the business you are promoting at that time, then then I think others will actually 
gathered the message. You know, when when new relationships are formed, you are right about um, you know if someone's already engaged, if it's a, if it's an existing uh, client, then naturally I think you should just you know make sure you listen to them uh, during these times. You know, if, if they're going through a difficult time, it's not about selling or upselling. It's about you know just just checking they're okay. You yeah. know, and something I really like is called uh, random acts of kindness. So you know, occasionally just do something really kind for them, whether it's just in, you know sending them a gift or doing something engagement with them uh, on social media. But for for new for prospecting, which you know a lot of businesses are looking for new business nowadays, which is kind of what I specialize in uh, from my recruitment background, you know, breaking down doors effectively, not literally. Um, but, you know, because you, you might need to look for new industry sectors. So you've got to do a lot of research, you, you know, about the industry, how it operates, you know, what, what groups they're in, what podcasts they listen to, uh, you know, really identify the person you are speaking with. But the more you demonstrate your personality, when you are identifying yourself with new relationships, uh, the more they are likely to remember you. And to be honest, it is about being remembered in, in a sales capacity, in a business capacity. It, it is. But I think one of the one of the most challenging things, especially when maybe in the earlier days of doing something like that, is that without responsiveness, without engagement from people, it's hard to know how that's being received. What What are some of the things that you might recommend people to do to try and um, turn up responsiveness? Okay, so uh, engagement, like I said, um, it may, it may not be that they don't want your service right now. It may just be that they're busy or they haven't seen your your message or your private message on LinkedIn because not everybody does. So social media uh, marketing and engagement is actually quite a good way of, uh, you know, developing a relationship. So, you know, it, but, but it's being it's being, you know, uh, doing it in, 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 in a professional, credible way. So if you like a post uh, that um, someone's seen, one of your prospects, you know, really do comment or share it, you know, to support their network. Um, you know, if, if it's an article they've written, then then they you know read it and engage with it or whether it's maybe that you actually kind of identify what your um customer your prospects interests are and you send them a link of interest you know you're not selling at this point you are literally just nurturing relationships and the first few times yes it may not go anywhere because like i said it is a noisy place but these different touch points as i've kept kept mentioning and when you're using a cadence so a series of activities in, in, in a strategic way to develop relationships you know it's naturally going to um you know, help strengthen the engagement with a prospect. But it's not maybe just that that one person that you're you're trying to do that with. You know, you, you kind of got to do a variety of things, whether you're in PR, whether you're doing, you know, your own marketing, uh, whether you're collaborating or, or you know, synergizing with others, um, you know, but, but the, you're, or whether you post into groups that maybe your um, prospect is actually in. They've really got to see that you are, you are an expert within your field. Um, and like I said, we do. We, we need to wear various different hats sometimes to to portray an image about ourselves. But you know, the more and you know, I think the most powerful when we said no, like and trust. When we're talking about referrals, so referrals to me, because uh, I think you know, uh, this is you know slightly re- talking about reviews. But ninety two percent of reviews said by TripAdvisor and and G two Source Online, they talk about that that convinces someone to buy once they read reviews. It's the same with a referral. If someone introduces you uh, via an email or via a telephone or, or video conference whatever it may be they've already demonstrated that they know like and trust you to refer you to their their potential probably their customer or someone they know within the network anyway. So any referrals is really going to help businesses right now. Um, and that's the message I would get. There are some buoyant industries out there um, due to the pandemic, you know, whether it's technology um, or whether it might be, um, you know, something to do with medical um, or pharmaceutical. Um, you know, if, if you have um, connections who can refer you on, that's probably the best way to be introduced uh, right now because, you know, it is a noisy place. Um, otherwise, do do the 
some different various different touch points which are relevant to your customers and like I said it's really not all about selling it's about providing value providing information whether it's a self-help guide or a link of interest really do do something um, you know that that's going to benefit your prospect from effectively speaking and communicating with you yeah and what it's good and one of the things that i found for helpful for getting more engagement on linkedin has been to be more engaged on linkedin with other people and that that has started up conversations and it means because having more conversations with different people they are more likely to come and have a conversation on your posts as well uh, yeah. which is great for engagement and for visibility as well and so sometimes you know, but also putting out different types of posts as well sometimes a text post sometimes a, a, a video sometimes a, an image post um having having some different things there as well it gets uh, gets different responses and different views and and i say it's been interesting that some of the highest responsiveness i get on linkedin particularly is to purely text um kind of messages that are put out there and like, uh, a post that is all text rather than any kind of image or video attached to it uh, it's interesting if you if you say the right things the written word is still very powerful on a platform i guess where many people are surfing at they're either working in a maybe in a shared space or somewhere where they're not going to have the sound on that text engagement might be easier there whereas on other platforms maybe not but but uh, as um, not not to the level of like pods where you just go and like and comment on each other's posts just to get uh, the views which i think is a bit dodgy but to actually start building up your community and getting engagement with people it can start with you and, and i think it's a really good a really good strategy and especially right now where you know all the stuff you talk about today about relationship and mm. um being involved and engaged with people and like being known liked and trust you can start that journey don't wait for anyone else to start it with you like provide yeah you know, provide stuff that adds value to them but provide comments and just ask questions or show that you care about people it's all really good stuff and you you can start doing that right now on on your social profiles yeah and um I think, you know, probably sort of towards the, you know, the end of this, I'd like to you know mention something that I'd like to leave as a final note, really. And you just literally said it, you know, there. And, and this is this is one of this is one of my favorite habits from Stephen Covey's uh, uh, highly effect, seven highly effective habits of effective people. Um, and basically that is synergy. So synergy means, you know, two, two heads are better than one. And, you know, effectively collaboration. Collaboration means businesses working together uh, and they may be, you know, completely different businesses that have, have, have come together now to support one another but it's a bit more than that and you know when you mention about in, engaging with others so reciprocity so you know if you if you naturally refer businesses to you know to customers they, they feel that they would want to help your business as well and I think collaboration is the key now more than ever um, in, in, a, in, a, in a changing world when whether you know whether we all have to step outside of our comfort zones our personalities uh, being adaptable changing the way our sales process sales strategy and business operates you know it's really now exploring those joint ventures those collaborations um, and, and supporting the business community whether that's a local space a networking group or a global um, you know community you know like such as LinkedIn as we talked you know quite a bit about it really is making sure that we can support the business community and and 
you know, continue, you know, their, their business stay invisible during these times. And effectively, you know, and, and, and I've always said synergy, you know, and, and that's what's helped me in my business. You asked at the start, you know, what did I do at my business? So immediately go into, go into networking events. Uh, now you can go webinars and meet people all over the world. And in fact, my international um, relationships have been developed uh, from video conferencing because, uh, you know, we're able to do that more and we are embracing change. So, yeah, so to the audience out there, you know, collaboration, uh, synergizing is definitely the key to, uh, you know, thriving, uh, you know, and, and continuing success. Yeah, certainly. I mean, the, the, the UK particularly now is just uh, officially in a time of recession, right? And many people are going to be panicking about that and uh, and thinking that there's no opportunity or, or no hope for them. But you know, what you say still applies. Opportunity is still there. And working together with people, collaborating and uh, looking for those opportunities to, to find synergy and to to grow and expand through that, those are going to be great avenues to be exploring and, and really hopefully are going to lead us to more positive business environments in the future and to greater success as well. I think that's a a great thing to be wrapping things up on today. But many people are going to want to perhaps know more about you because you've already shared some great um, insights, some resources, and, and uh, certainly we've put um, the links to the, uh, some of the things you shared into the show notes as well. But if people want to just find out a bit more about you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, I'm happy for any you know questions and and to build connections and um, relationships is, is what I really enjoy doing. So I'd probably say contact me on LinkedIn. Uh, so Jamie Martin, and you'll see the the BSC on on there. Uh, my website is www.correctcareers coaching.com and my contact details are on there as well um but yes uh, the, the the you know hopefully in the show notes it will provide the top tips guide and some articles i've written yeah. and you know i welcome building relationships with anyone who, who wants to find out more and you know um again build synergy really thank you very much thanks for having me today john i've really enjoyed chatting with you we covered loads of areas of interest and the sites and i hope the audience yeah. enjoyed listening to it it's been, it's been a great conversation thank you for your time today and uh, we'll stay connected in the future thanks thanks Jane. Thanks, John. Bye. Hey, I hope you enjoyed the show. Remember to leave a like and subscribe. And if you're an Apple podcast, leave us a review. Why not check out a free copy of my new ebook, The Five Key Beliefs of Bulletproof Business Speakers, available free on presentinfluence.com. Join us next week when I'll be speaking about disability access in relation to media and presentation and training events with disability expert and accessibility expert, Essie Hardy. We had a great conversation and this is a really important area for anyone who's in speaking and training and presenting to know about and understand because there is potentially a whole segment of your audience who are missing out because you are not serving them if you're not meeting disability access needs for them. Join us for that show and many more to come. Make sure you like and subscribe to the show. See you next time.